So welcome back to the Sports Ball Podcast. I am joined by uh, Zach and uh, Andy, co-hosts this week, and we had a busy week in sports. You know, we're going to be recapping the divisional games in the NFL. We'll go over some minor college football news. Uh, the Wolves are still back in the NBA, uh, despite what uh, the NBA refs want to do and we'll also be discussing uh nebraska ball and their failure to bring a team on the road so we'll go ahead and just uh, kind of jump right in i mean big news was you know the nfl this week you know we had a couple of big games you know deciding factors for another big game in the future i guess um but the ravens and the chiefs (laughs) were the We yeah, are yeah, not yeah. discussing <laughs> anything about the Pro Bowl. You say that now. <laughs> That's all our content's going to be. If you want to go out of your own way and watch it, be my guest. I I'm just going to keep up with it on ESPN. Big, big flag football guy here. So, uh. <laughs> sorry, Nate. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we had first game of the division round was the Chiefs and the Ravens, which looked a lot better on paper than it really turned out to be honestly um lamar jackson showed up for about a quarter and a half and then uh disappeared nice very impressive magic trick that he did there uh i guess next year maybe but chiefs came out with a pretty solid victory i don't even remember what the score was off the top of my head but i i just kind of put that away from my uh, memory right now. (laughs) Um, See, 17 to 10. So it was actually a close game in theory, but if you had watched the game, it was pretty well over by the time the Chiefs were up 14 to 7, which is a weird sentence to say because, you know, all all in all, you're within a touchdown game. You'd think one play is going to do it, but the Ravens repeatedly shot themselves in the foot and, uh, As things tend to go, Mahomes just keeps on keeping on. And uh, turns out Chiefs uh, know how to win. And when it comes to the postseason, knowing how to win and advancing the postseason is uh, pretty important. So unfortunately, the Ravens, yeah, just kind of fell apart. And we'll have to try next season. (laughs) I mean, they had the number one seed. They had a good season, but uh, they just picked a really bad game to disappear. And I know... Uh, some of the discourse about the Ravens going into the postseason was that the games that they did lose were games where the offense just kind of sputtered and Lamar couldn't get things going. The defense usually could keep them hanging around, but um, the offense just didn't have a day. And unfortunately, uh, the Ravens were shut out of the Super Bowl for this year. And uh, the other game was the 49ers and the Lions, which I was incredibly nervous about as um, my uh, cheering interests were very dynamic uh, throughout the day on Sunday. Um, once the Chiefs won, uh, as a not very big Chiefs fan, I <laughs> the two options of the Lions and the 49ers were not my favorite either, but uh, the Lions, being a fellow NFC North team and uh, the only other NFC North team that hasn't won a Super Bowl yet, I just couldn't quite bring myself to uh, rally behind them. So that was uh, it was quite the game, though. Uh, the first half, the Lions <laughs> absolutely ran away with it, played perfectly. I mean, 
every pass, every run was, you know, something just breaking off. And they were up, I believe, 24-7 at halftime. But then uh, somehow the 49ers mustered something up by the end of the game, went on, uh, what, a 27-7 run to finish out the second half and ended up beating the Lions 34-31. A couple questionable uh, fourth down calls by uh, Mr. Dan Campbell at the end there. Could have uh, kicked a field goal to tie up the game, but uh, he doesn't believe in kickers uh, from what I've seen. So uh, they ended up uh, losing that game. Didn't uh, didn't want to take it to overtime. They thought they could, uh, which I mean, there could be discourse there of just going to going for the win versus trying to tie it up, take it to overtime, especially when your team had next to no momentum in the second half. But um, yeah. First kick, I'll give it to you. But the second time, you're you're in field goal range, clock's getting down there. Like, I don't know, give yourself a shot to extend the game. I would think. But uh, 49ers are going to the Super Bowl, and we have an incredibly enticing San Francisco 49ers versus Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl. <laughs> about, I don't know. 5% of NFL fans are excited for it. <laughs> so, um, I mean, congratulations to those teams. It's, I mean, number one seed in the NFC, number three seed in the AFC, um, both teams. I mean, they got dudes on their team. Christian McCaffrey, pretty good at football. Mahomes and Kelsey, you know, they, they're pretty good at uh, pitch and catch as well. So, uh, yeah, it was, personally it's uh i at least have someone to cheer for or i guess more more or less cheer against um eh, I, I'll, I'll be fine if one team wins um i don't know doesn't doesn't overall move the needle for me though so i'll, I'll pass it over to you guys on your thoughts on the divisional games and and the super bowl in general but um yeah overall kind of kind of a disappointing sports weekend from from the nfl side of things so i'll just say the script writers failed uh, this is not, this is not how it was supposed to be written out. It was supposed to, didn't, didn't everybody see that it was supposed to be Baltimore and San Francisco? According like, to mm-hmm. that. Yeah. The logo like a newscast or something. Year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I kind of echo your sentiments, Nate, uh, not necessarily about the, the lions to the degree of, uh, <laughs> uh from the Viking standpoint, <laughs> but yeah, it was just, it was kind of rough. Because the first half, it was all Lions. And mm-hmm. the worst part is, is we were even, as we were texting back and forth, it's as we're watching it, you're sitting there thinking like, well, yeah, it's great. They had a great first half, but San Francisco didn't get this far for no reason. Like they didn't mm-hmm. just luck in. I mean, they did kind of luck into it if you look at that Packers game. But besides that, um, you know, they, they obviously got the number one seed for a reason. So, you know, you knew they were going to make halftime adjustments and whatnot, but they just, they, the lions just, uh, and then, uh, you know, as for the questionable fourth down calls, you know, I, I think at the looking back on it in hindsight, sure. But that's also who Dan Campbell was all year. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, big balls, Dan Campbell. Um, and a lot of times the, you know, for them though, that gamble worked out. I mean, they made it, if anything, Detroit can walk away from these games, kind of the Cinderella story of the year, uh, kind of like the Texans, in the same manner where it's just like, I don't think anybody really expected them to get that far. 
uh, even as they were going through the year, just because I think a lot of Detroit fans will tell you the same thing. It's like, it's, it's Detroit. They're going to let us down somewhere. And unfortunately they did, mm-hmm. but you know, getting to the championship game for the conference at least is, is something to be said. So I, uh, and then along with that news, you know, I know this is more coaching carousel, which we might get to later, but Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator said he's staying with them and he wants to try to run it back. So who knows? Um, and then, yeah, as for, you know, I, I am whatever the 49ers I'm, I don't care for, but <laughs> that's more so it's kind of the, kind of the same thing as like the chiefs in the last, you know, five years, it's the 49ers have gotten to the super bowl a lot. They haven't won since what was it? 94. That sound right. It's been a long, yeah. it's been a long while since they've actually won a super bowl. So, I mean, I guess, but they keep getting to the super bowl and just coming <laughs> up just short, which it's kind of one of those things where now I, I, with and then with the Chiefs, it feels like we've got just the Patriots 2.0. It's the new dynasty. I guess it, I, I'd argue if they win on Super Bowl Sunday, they've kind of cemented that they are at that point the dynasty. But we'll see. Um, and then yeah, the Ravens was just a disappointment, obviously, just because like I like I just said, I, I was really hoping that you know the Ravens would get in just because I like to see different teams in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Here, um, I like the idea of parity in the NFL, and usually there, usually there is pretty good, you know, between all the teams. But this year, just this is the most white bread Super Bowl I can think of, and I just, <laughs> I mean, like, I, I am trying to hype myself up because it's the Super Bowl. It's like the last hurrah of football for a while. I mean, unless mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure we'll watch the UFL, but it's just not quite there yet. Um, yeah, it, it seems like a very if. If I were to pick two teams at the very beginning of the season, it would probably be like these two teams. I wouldn't like it, but it's like, yeah, they're probably, you know, Mahomes and McCaffrey. Like, yeah, it's probably going to be up to those two in the Super Bowl. But like, yeah, exactly. And it's like, cool. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. It was very kind of predictable, I guess. In a yeah, sense. I, it's it's inevitable. I guess I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to I don't know how to call it. Is is it is this like the comfort food version of the Super Bowl? It's like you just you know it's <laughs> you know it's gonna happen. Like you know that it's gonna deliver, whether mm-hmm. that's good or bad. You know, I don't know. I, I I like you said. Congrats to those teams for making it. I I never played in the NFL, obviously, but I'm sure it's a huge accomplishment. But man, I just. <laughs> Uh, like I said, the script the script writers got it wrong. Darn you, Taylor Swift, for having to to make them switch it in the middle. But I've said my piece. So I'll give it to Andy. Yeah, uh, obviously, I will not be congratulating one of these teams on making it to the Super Bowl. Um, if you need help figuring that out, just take a wild guess. Which one, Andy? I... Uh, it's the team that has a shade of red. That doesn't help me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> For multiple reasons, that doesn't help me. <laughs> I, I do believe, though, that uh, in your case works because I think Kansas City is the one wearing uh, red for the Super Bowl. So, yeah, it sounds like yeah, because it's <laughs> Vegas is hosting. So, I think it's the AFC team is technically the home team this year. Regardless, um, like I had said last week, that. Chiefs Ravens game. Um, you know, if there was any team that was going to go into Baltimore, the number one seed that has had that been there, done that mentality and attitude, it was the team that has been in there and done that. And it's just, it's just Andy Reid and it's Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and the entire Chiefs. And uh, they just, you know, they've had 
an up and down season with the wide receiver problems. They're just, they had, you know, compared to what they've done in the previous seasons to get to the Super Bowl where they are now, this season was just kind of like a meh average, mm-hmm. not in terms of great, like not better in terms of what their offense could be. But, you know, you just, you get your chance in the playoffs, you just give yourself a shot and then you just let that experience come through. And, you know, here they are again at their fourth Super Bowl trip in five years. And absolutely saying have a chance to win their third one in five years. Um, like the biggest thing to happen to Kansas City is that Canarius Tony hasn't played. <laughs> yes. <laughs> playoffs. And that, you know, that whole thing when they said like, yeah, Canarius Tony is not going to be play play or not going to play because he's hurt. And then he came out on Instagram live like the next day and saying like, I'm not hurt. The Chiefs are holding me back. Like that was so yeah. funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I saw that as a headline on my phone. I'm just like, and that's like this you is don't... the funniest thing I'm going to read all weekend. <laughs> right. And it's like you don't have to say that he's hurt to not play him. You can just not play him. Like I don't know why they have to like say that he's you know out for the game or anything. But you know, someone that's... needs to explain that to Andy Reid again with yeah. those nuggies. <laughs> yeah, with those nuggies. Yes. With those nuggies. <laughs> and that's you know team politics. I'm not going to get into because that's not my team that I care about. But regardless, you know. The thing that shocked me the most was the Ravens kind of went away from what they did all season, and that was run the ball, whether it was Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, Lamar. I mean, they just they got down early, and then they just kind of panicked and kind of went away and got away from what they did that got them to this point the entire season. And, you know, I think it shows that, you know, Kansas City was calm and cool despite not scoring a single point in the second half. I mean, they just – it's kind of, you know, how I let – how we talked about Nebraska is teams that played Nebraska is you just sit back, you just wait for the other teams to make the mistakes. And then you just capitalize on those mistakes. You know, um, they just sat back. They let, you know, their defense with uh, Spagnoli has been a great defensive coordinator for them this entire season. Um, But, you know, they just, you know, usually you're relying on Mahomes to bail you out and, you know, score you points, get back the lead. And that entire game was just like, our defense is playing well enough. We're just going to sit back, let the Ravens make their mistakes, and uh, we'll just hold our defense on their own. And now uh, they enticed Baltimore into a couple of those taunting penalties, those personal fouls. Um, you know, got I. I mean, it was. I'll, I'll call it a fortunate fumble. I mean, they got a very fortunate break that Zay Flowers fumbled right at the one yard line, and then you know into the end zone for a touchback. Um, and that's you know Zay Flowers, great wide receiver, but. You know, a couple of rookie mistakes there that showed in the biggest moments of the game, you know, getting the personal foul. And then um, I know that, like, I saw on Twitter after that, like, Matt Rule had tweeted, like, that's why I don't teach guys, like, to dive towards pylons at any point in the end zone. And I know Julian Edelman said um, that Belichick always preached that you never dive towards the end zone unless it's fourth down. Because if it's a fumble in the end zone, like, it's a, you know, it's whatever or type thing. But um, you know, you don't try to do that when you have more downs to gain or anything like that. But, you know, the Ravens just kind of surprisingly for being how powerful of an offense they were all season, just curled up and choked in the playoffs. And the team that has, has more experience proved themselves that, you know, they doesn't matter what situation you put them in as underdogs, uh, you know, going into the entire season that they were just they're going to get back to what they were. And, you know, it sucks to be here in the situation um it's just it's like i told you guys on sun sunday when i was texting you that uh this is just my own personal help um <laughs> this past five or six years that uh the chiefs have been on this upward 
trend, and the Broncos have been doing the exact opposite. Um, it's just a living nightmare for me, and they're here again. They're here. I, I'm just at this point. And I know we'll get to our predictions next week, but right now, I mean, I'm just I'm leading Kansas City just because it's you don't bet against Andy Marie and Mahomes, and it's like the old saying is you don't bet against Tom Brady and Belichick in the playoffs. I mean, this is it's now just turning into you don't bet against Mahomes or Andy Reid in the playoffs. Um, they're just they're going to get there. They're going to do what they do best, and they're going to win games no matter how offensive power like they are or anything like that. But they definitely yeah. pick the right time to turn on mm-hmm. the Jets for their offense too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you watch throughout the whole regular season, and the Chiefs' offense just looked like they were just lost half the not half the time, but they just looked like they lost their mojo. Right. outside of Travis Kelsey, but it's like, oh, okay. And then all of a sudden yeah. they get to the playoffs and it's like, oh, right, we're actually good at this. Like, right. what? Yep. And we're just, we're transfer, we're like, we're transferring powers of the Patriot dynasty and it's now in just Im- immediate Chiefs dynasty. <laughs> like there was no couple year break for everybody to reset and like, who's going to be the next one? It's like, nope, Patriots to Chiefs immediately. I was and, really hoping that they there wouldn't even just be uh, a passing of the torch. I figured it'd mm-hmm. be like, okay, cool. Now teams are like on this even ground to a degree. Like obviously nope. some teams are going to be, you know, better on average, some worse right. on average, but no, not these guys. Nope. And I saw a it's... stat too for the chiefs defense. I don't know mm-hmm. how many games go back. This goes, but I thought this was wild uh, that they allowed. It was either the postseason or the last like 10 games or something, but they mm-hmm. allowed only an average of four points in the second half of the games that they played which goes back to what you said earlier where they didn't score anything. They just, they played defense and Mm -hmm. ran clock basically. And it's Mm -hmm. like, it's crazy to me that the chiefs, a high octane offense scores nothing in the second half and they win the game. Yeah. That, that really speaks more to like what you said though, about the Ravens, just not, they weren't, they, they, they they, and if you look at how, you know, if you go back to this season as how, or like historically is how do teams beat the chiefs and Andy Reid and Mahomes is you don't give them the ball on mm-hmm. offense. You kill as much clock on you as you can on offense. And I mean, the Ravens, you know, they want to run that run high powered offense. Cause you have, I mean, you have playmakers like Lamar and you know, your tight ends of Mark Anderson, Isaiah likely and say flowers and all these great wide receiver bursts, but you know, it's different scoring at, a minute 20 versus holding the ball for seven, eight minutes a quarter, just killing clock and, you know, limiting the chiefs uh, as much time possession as you can. And um, they just, they got away from what they did all season was running the ball. And I think that's what really killed them the most. Um, I said, that was weird because they, I forget if it was Gus Edwards or Justice Hill, but one yeah. of their running backs had like a 15 yard run and then they didn't touch the ball until either mm-hmm. like late in the second quarter or in the third quarter. And it was a, an interesting game plan because yeah, like you said, you want to keep the ball away from Kansas city and Mahomes. Typically mm-hmm. that's usually works out. And, mm-hmm. and every time the running everything back, to just give it back to them. every right. time, any of the, any time the running backs got the ball for, well, this goes for both ways. Cause D- Detroit did the same thing. It seemed like mm-hmm. where they have David Montgomery and then is it Gibbs? Gibbs? Yeah. yeah, they have, they both, both teams had two great running backs and they, at least with Detroit, the first half that they leaned on them. It was like, okay, mm-hmm. which then you come out with that lead in the second half and you would think, just run it, just keep running it until you mm-hmm. can't. And they didn't do that. It's like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, back to the Ravens. It's like every time that Gus Edwards uh, or whoever would get the ball, 
they more of the times than not get a pretty good gain or at least good mm-hmm. chunk plays. And it's like, and it kind of goes back to it. like, this goes entirely back to our argument for like the Huskers where sometimes it's just, I feel like, and I have no idea what it takes to be in an offensive coordinator, obviously. Otherwise I would probably be doing that. But like, I just, I don't understand. Sometimes it's like the simplest things. I feel like just keep doing what they keep doing, what works until it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, until you can make the defense prove, oh, you can stop the run. I mean, two, it's two good plays in a row, or sack them in the back, or whatever. Like, right? You know, I I get it. It's kind of a chess match where you're trying to throw them off off the off their foot, but I don't know. I just I feel like sometimes they overthink it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I mean, just look. The Ravens ran the ball 16 total times that entire game, and that's you know that's obviously not what they do best. Um, it's it's just absolutely mind-boggling that they just got away from what they did the like did the most. And yeah, it's just, you know, the chiefs ran it 32 times, but you know, Isaiah Pacheco is a great up and coming running back. I mean, he's a hard, fast runner. And Nate, what did be... you call him in our text group? Did you call oh. him crazy legs, Pacheco or something? Spazzy legs or something. Yeah. Spazzy yeah. legs. Yeah. <laughs> he makes the ground pay when he runs. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that's just they they got away from what they did, and that's what hurt them uh, the most. I mean, it's God, they were. I mean, just look, they were averaging 156 total yards on the ground a game, which is why would you get away from that? And then you run it what 68 yards against Kansas City from 16 times. I mean, it's just not. They got away from what they did. They panicked when they got down early, um, and they just they did stick to what they did, and that's what cost them. It you know yeah, transferring that to my thoughts about. San Francisco Lions. I mean, yeah, we saw the almost the exact same game plan that the Lions came out with is they had run the ball. They have the weapons to run the ball like they did pretty much towards the end of the years. They just were they looked unstoppable on the run. And, you know, it's kind of surprised me at first. I'm like, I San Francisco is a pretty good defense. And then all of a sudden you have the Lions just kind of breaking open these huge runs and just gashing San Francisco. I'm like, this is a hundred percent not how I thought this game was gonna go. And then uh, it, it only takes just one moment to play, and then you get the weird Brandon Ayuk off the face mask catch. Yep. And in that moment, everything just turned. Because um, then I think Montgomery fumbled on the next drive. San Francisco mm-hmm. scores again, and then they score again and score again. And you're like, and all of a sudden, you're just like, you know, if you left at halftime, like, oh, Detroit's got this. Um, <laughs> what's funny is one of our friends, Ryan, was uh, flying back uh, from a trip on an airplane. Uh, he got on the plane at halftime, 24 to seven landed, <laughs> checked the score of the game. And he's like, how did San Francisco win this game? <laughs> oh, no. I mean, that's, that's yeah, that's just, it's like one of those moments. It's like, all of a sudden you blink and it's like, the game is completely turned 180 degrees. And, you know, it's, and that's, I think it just comes down to, you know, San Francisco then capitalized on the, change in momentum you know the defense stepped up in the second half uh detroit you know obviously like zach said hindsight's 2020 on those fourth down uh plays that dan campbell couldn't for but again i mean you can't fault him for what he did because that's what detroit's done all year and it's you know as a head coach if you all of a sudden preach all year that yes i trust you guys you guys have to trust me at what we're doing this is what we're doing i trust you to make these plays and do these plays all year and then you know you're not just going to abandon that in one game and be like, well, maybe I, you know, I don't know if that's going to send us 
message to your guys saying like, I don't trust you anymore. Like this is what we need to do in this situation. And most coaches, you know, should kick the field goal. I would have kicked the field goal in that situation yeah. if it was Madden, but at least give yourself um, a chance to extend yeah. the game, especially this ex- the last one. Like, <laughs> and especially if you give up six potential points and all of a sudden that final score is a three point win in your favor um, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't fault Dan Campbell for doing it because that's what he's done all year. That was his philosophy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Josh Reynolds had some horrific drops there too. Um, that wasn't all on Jared Goff. Cause I mean, he dropped two critical open, plays um, open catches i should say but yeah that again super bowl is what it is it's right now i'm leading towards kansas city because that's i'm not gonna bet against my homes <laughs> and the chiefs like it's you stupid to um you know if i were to put money i'd take the chiefs money in line right now because i'm sure they're an underdog at this point and that might flip by the time the super bowl happens but take the easy points right now yeah, um, i was gonna say according to espn right now San Francisco, and this is just ESPN. I'm sure other mm-hmm. sports books are different, but ESPN has them listed. Uh, has San Francisco listed as two point favorites. So yeah, I easily hammer those points. Take those points if you're mm-hmm. the Chiefs. Plus two. Oh yeah. And if you lose, I mean, you lose. That's what betting is. But I mean, that's those are easy points, especially since it's you're betting the Chiefs to win. Um, but yeah, I think with that, uh, unless you guys had any other second last second thoughts on our divisional games uh some coaching changes quick yeah the only coaches the only nfc uh quarterback to beat brock purdy is none other than kirk cousins kirk obangs you You mean the guy that's hurt and injured and can't play (laughs) the guy whose achilles is hanging out with aaron Rodgers right now but it's somewhere i hope not because uh (laughs) You know, I'd like Kirk to come back and be normal Kirk, not, you know. Just the Achilles. Just, just the Achilles. Oh. Kirk's not hanging out. Just the Achilles. Gotcha. Okay. Good yep. deal. Yep. Uh, yeah. So fun fun fact there. So Vikings well, pretty much won the Super Bowl. As um, <laughs> yeah. but, well, as much as we, <laughs> as, as excited as we all are for the Super Bowl, very clearly, if, if it hasn't been noted, um, <laughs> you know, you guys want to predict, you guys want to throw a prediction up there? Or do we want to wait till next week? (laughs) I'll say by score for next week, but right now, like I said, I'm leaning towards the Chiefs because I'm not stupid at this point anymore. I'm just cheering for Taylor. I'm just cheering for Taylor Swift. So (laughs) I'll I'll go for the Niners. I think uh, Brock Brock Purdy's got some weird voodoo witchcraft going on. Boo. And I don't know if anyone's going to beat the Chiefs. I feel like it'll be Kyle Shanahan. I think he'll figure he's. Turns out he's actually uh, not bad at coaching in the NFL, so I'll I'll, I'll rally behind him. I'm actually gonna <laughs> I'm gonna root for I think it's I think it's one of the Batman movies where like the guy's running a kickoff back and all of a sudden oh, the, the field ground just, falls. Oh yeah, Heinz Ward yeah. is doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, that's what I'm that's what I'm banging on. So and then nobody wins. <laughs> and then nobody wins. Yeah, they have to call off the game, and it's just—it's called a—it's called a tie. Wouldn't even be upset about it. I mean, like, yeah, didn't want either that, team to win, anyways. Outside of outside <laughs> of like the field getting destroyed and like the potential, like you know, the rest of how that movie goes, 
but like, would that not be hilarious if something happened to where they'd have to just call off the Super Bowl and it'd be like, yeah, we just have to call it a, a draw. Yeah, and it's, it's just like <laughs> maybe, that maybe would the be lights will go out again, like uh, the yeah. Ravens that one year. That would be the Niners hilarious. Yeah. Or it's called one of those things we had four years ago that took the whole no, world no, by no, storm. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking that. about. I just want the game. I just want the game to come to a pause, not the entire world. <laughs> Big difference. Big difference. Let's let's slow our roll there. <laughs> Holy moly! I can't just say that. <laughs> but moving on to a better topic. My <laughs> uh, as uh, I believe Zach mentioned earlier, Ben Johnson is running it back uh, with Detroit. He was, I believe, in the running for Seattle and Washington, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Apparently, from the reports, his asking price is pretty high, and teams are a little worried about that. But I mean, I I would understand I, that. Yeah, uh, Detroit just made it to the championship yep. game. His asking price deserves to be high. Exactly, just and I mean, he had a pretty big hand in that offense. I'd imagine. So, um, I think even I think even Dan Campbell said that too. He was like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, this is basically." I, I could be wrong, but I could have sworn at some point Dan Campbell was like, "Yeah, that's that's his that's his work." Like, you know, he yeah. he has a say in it, obviously, because he's the head coach. But that's Ben Johnson's offense, and mm-hmm. and so uh, who was the other one? Oh, Mike McDonald mm-hmm. of the uh, defensive cor- defensive coordinator, coordinator for, the for the Ravens. He did actually end up going to. I think he went to Seattle. Yep, and he now becomes. I think I read. I think I read this. I thought I saw somewhere he's now the youngest head coach in the NFL Mm -hmm. because then they followed that up with um, big youth movement, I guess in (laughs) Seattle. So um, that was an interesting hire. After Pete Carroll, I just, I don't know. I I didn't expect random guy out of nowhere, but (laughs) I mean, defensive coordinator for the Ravens. I mean, he's got his accolades and everything, but I was, I was thinking it'd be like uh, Mike Vrabel or, uh, even a Belichick or something that would have been, I, I was really hoping it was going to be Belichick and Carol working together. (laughs) I was really, really rooting for that. But, um, what's crazier to me is that Ben Johnson was supposedly like the top guy for the commanders. Mm -hmm. And then according to a report, I don't know if this is true. I guess this, I think was just maybe hearsay, but, uh, (laughs) apparently, the uh, the folks from the commanders were on their way to go talk to him and he had called them or whatever and said, yeah, don't bother. I'm staying with Detroit. So they had to f- turn around. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't, I, I want to stay in Detroit. But what's even crazier to me is that um, the commanders just got their new, like their new GM and everything They you know, they got mm-hmm. rid of Dan Snyder. So they got their new owner and whatnot, I think. And yep. then, so now they're going through, you know, now everything's on him. Like, Hey, who are you going to hire? And, like nobody's coming <laughs> it seems like nobody wants to show up and work yep. for uh work for the commanders which i would assume then at this point maybe Vrabel takes a i don't know i i don't really foresee him going to the commanders but mm-hmm. yeah it'll be it'll be an interesting it's still open so <laughs> yeah still still an opening there yeah and i don't know who the because i saw the texans um offensive coordinator was staying with uh the houston so that's another guy out of the running. I wonder if those, those two must be trying to like build their stock up even more and like Mm -hmm. do, you know, go on the same run they did next year. 
Yeah. Sorry, go on the same run they did this year, next year, and then build their stock and really because I'm, I don't know. Are there because there's a lot of new head coaches in the NFL this next year though too. Mm-hmm. So I'm tri- I guess there is a potential if the Eagles really screw it up. I guess they could hire or fire him. So <laughs> what? There's no way. <laughs> I don't know. The Eagles have been known to cut bait pretty quick. So. <laughs> But then the only other fine. only other news I saw was that uh, the Packers did hire a defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. um, the coach for Boston College. He, I guess, just a couple hours ago, he was yes going to be their uh, defensive coordinator up in Green Bay, and I think I saw he's led Boston College to bowl game three out of the past four years or something. So I don't know defensively what he brings to the table, but apparently he's got something going for him so hopefully uh hopefully it's a terrible defense but um right i i can't imagine they can get much worse than i think (laughs) yeah but yeah past Uh, that um i guess we'll just nfl yeah kick it on to to college ball there wasn't a whole lot of uh college news um Mm -hmm. really I think the big one was Iowa finally, 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 finally uh, hired an offensive coordinator, and it might be one of the funniest hires. I didn't realize this until I read the note just now, and so then I was like, "Who is the? Who's the OC?" And then I see mm-hmm. is this mm-hmm. Tim Lester. Tim Lester yep. out of Western Michigan, <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if he was the play caller or if he had a separate offensive coordinator running things. But his offenses at Western Michigan weren't exactly uh, scintillating. They also weren't uh, uh, last year. Yeah, they also weren't tight end or running back package heavy. I think he ran more of a spread, which is uh, if you're one hundred percent what Iowa runs. What are you talking about? Exactly. If you're uh, if you're Iowa, that uh, is going to bode well for everybody involved. It's not like Iowa is known as tight end you or anything like right. that. Right. You know, it's not like they have three product NFL tight ends right now or anything. You know? So here's my question then. You guys remember when like Mike Riley was hired for Nebraska and a lot of people went on the, the idea, me included, I'll admit that. But we're like you, we went on the idea of, oh, well, you know, he did okay at uh, Oregon State, but he didn't have the resources that Nebraska does. Mm-hmm. And then we found out that the resources had nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah is that i i wonder if that's the argument that they're doing here like oh well you know western michigan isn't iowa which it isn't but like what <laughs> <laughs> far be it from me again i will always say this i'm no expert i don't claim to be i just like to talk about it but this is funny this is objectively funny to me and it it is when you consider that we knew about the whole bryant's Ferentz thing before the season even started that like he has to average 25 mm-hmm. points like per game to even like consider keeping a job. And then like halfway through the season, we're like, yeah, we're going to let him go at the end of the year. So they had a good full two to three months to figure out what to do. And they just didn't do anything. <laughs> well, that we know of, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they must not have done enough. Right. And, I, and I'm not trying mm-hmm. to discredit Mr. Lester, but. And it's, you would it's, think someone with the pedigree of Iowa, especially like where you can argue, say last year, if they had an offense, they could have been a right. very, very good yep. team. And that's it's the thing that's like it's an attractive job, but it's not an attractive job in terms of the offense that they run, but the terms of like they win. 
So it's like, how do you convince somebody like, yeah, you win nine to 10 games a year, but you're doing it running like a three tight end set and a running back set. And you're then trying to come in and, you know, just like try to figure out a whole new offensive scheme with what you have, like who's and who on that offense is, you know, when Cade McNamara gets healthy, who can run a spread offense at Iowa? I mean, it's just like Luke Fickle trying to change Wisconsin into an air raid spread offense as well from whatever they they've run. Uh, the past 10, 15 years. But yeah, it is. I agree with you, Jack. A very objectively funny hire. Um, just because they had this entire time to figure out and they just waited think, until now. I think that's why I find it objectively funny because it's like, like they fired a warning shot saying, hey, we're firing our <laughs> offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. We've got like six months to figure this out. And yep. then they just didn't. <laughs> they just didn't now You've been granted, a coach before <laughs> all of this all of this all of this is going to come back and bite us when he objectively oh, yeah. somehow like makes iowa the number five <laughs> offense in the nation or some shit it's right like, okay cool i was gonna look like oregon next year somehow and yeah but can't wait, <laughs> can't how, wait. how the cookie crumbles sometimes it'll be it'll be interesting yeah but that was I mean, the main college football news, there were some roster updates for Nebraska. I didn't look too much into it, but... Um, uh, big, some of that. Biggest uh, piece I took away is uh, Ethan Piper's probably not going to play college ball again. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not on the roster, which doesn't mean like he's transferring, but I mean, just the injury that he's gone through. Um, I know the beat reporters are saying like he's been showing up to like support his team, but like he's still kind of like in a wheelchair type bike. Yeah thing and that's you know must have been a significant enough knee injury that he sustained that it's you know probably a medical like redshirt retirement or whatever um kind of like what hendrich did uh is, you know you have one too many tears or injuries that that's like you to medically retire from the game and um that was probably the biggest piece of the news is that he's no longer on the roster but we're just you know going off the assumption that he's probably just done with football based from his injuries um, with that, and then uh, the other big notable name would have been Isaiah Isaiah Gar- Garcia Castaneda, still on the roster uh, despite suffering the knee injury from last year. So, all signs probably points to him coming back healthy next year, as far as we know. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's still you still get spring ball, and then you get the second wave of the portal that opens after spring ball. So, Nebraska still has some pieces to cut, and I'm sure we're going to see another wave of players leave during that time. Um, Despite what I mean, some have already left, but these a lot of these names I haven't really heard of. But uh, those are just some of the big names that I've uh, seen that have left so far. Um, and I, I don't know what they have to dwindle it down to. Um, I know they do need to make some cuts though to get uh, like within the scholarship limit of yeah. how but I don't know how many scholarships they still are over right now, but I know they still have to make either some cuts or anything like that but you know i don't think like they're a, terribly far no. over i i mean i know they're over but i don't think they're like massive amounts no. over mm-hmm. i think but i i don't think we'll see terribly significant cuts outside of unless there's a dramatic shift in like tone or something right. that comes from the coaches or some something here but yeah i don't think we'll see too much uh no. attrition at this point and then yeah I mean, that was those are like the big names that i saw from that uh kind of roster changes of what I've read so far. And then, uh, yeah, they officially signed that Micah Bazooka uh, from Florida, another offensive lineman piece, which now that we know that Ethan Piper is not 
coming back. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to be a good either starter or just fill in death piece uh, that Nebraska needed that we didn't know we needed until now. So can't go wrong uh, with somebody from Florida. No, I mean, Florida <laughs> has, you know, been pretty good in the past few years. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. I, I know I wrote the note on here, but I thought this was interesting. And this is kind of why I put it on here mm-hmm. uh, transferring from Nebraska, but going back, because I know we talked about Michigan and Harbaugh last week, but mm-hmm. um, his strength coach is following him out there to uh, LA, which that alone is like, yeah, okay, cool, whatever. But it does introduce the issue of now um, more at Michigan, who officially also did take the job. I don't remember if we, if we knew that at the time yet. No. We like, yeah. So no, because you said there was a seven day waiting period. Well, that's what I that yeah. I was like, so so that's what people were saying is like, oh, they have to wait My seven odds. days per like state law or something, but I guess not. So yeah, we have the receipts. <laughs> yeah, well, I said my odds were on more getting the yeah. job. I mean, so. yeah, I think everybody kind of knew right. that, but anyway, so I, maybe they made an exception. I don't know. Maybe that whole thing was a bunch of crap. I don't know. But anyway, just what, a liar. Uh, it's a great big phony. <laughs> um, anyway, what I what this kind of made me think of though was that now he's really like he's going to be thrown to the wolves, basically. Where if he doesn't get a good staff together, people in Michigan are because like Michigan still has a really good roster. Like, assumedly, I guess I I don't know how many people are coming in recruit wise. I don't know how many people would transfer out. Whatever, but like. Hmm. You know, like he's still got a good roster, so he's got good pieces to work with, but now he's got to build a lot of a staff, at least in theory. I don't know how many people are staying with him um, outside of the obvious ones that have left with Harbaugh. So it's like, I'm not saying he's going to fail, but it's like, you know, he's really got his work cut out for him. So it should be interesting to see how Michigan does next year. I'm sure we'll see a little bit of a drop off, but I can't imagine it's going to be drastic. Yeah, I thought it was interesting too that, because we touched on it last week that we were wondering whenever the period opens that 30 day window that players can transfer out with um, the new coach coming in, which was why the seven days I thought was important. Yeah. I haven't heard a lot of news honestly on that front. So I don't know if the window's open yet or if, I mean, keeping having Sean Moore as the head coach, I think keeps a lot of continuity and at least keeps the interest of some of the guys that are there. Um, I know well, the... and just winning a national championship, I think, is really going to help keep <laughs> people helps. there too. It's like, hey, guys, we just did that; we can do it again. Mm-hmm. Yep. What's going to be interesting, though, and I know we talked talked on this last week, but I think Michigan is kind of the big, not the big question mark, but I think they're going to be a bigger question mark because they went from a really, really good team to losing their uh, to at least two of their big, their mm-hmm. quarterback and their running back. Um. You know, I mean, they have to answer for that somehow, and I'm sure they will. Uh, you know, we're sitting here speculating. I'm sure they'll do fine with that, but that's still something that you got to think about. And mm-hmm. Again, like you just said, I think Sharon Moore is going to do fine. I think he was the shoe in because he was the interim for mm-hmm. at least a chunk of games, but still, I mean, being the interim for running somebody else's system and then running your own system, two totally different things. I'm sure he'll be fine, but, mm-hmm. you know. It's just it's like Kalen DeBoer. I mean, you're following in such massive footsteps from your predecessor of, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously Harbaugh is still a big name, but, you know, compared to Saban is nothing. But um, I mean, it's 
you know, you have these two new coaches taking over powerhouse programs from their predecessors that were, you know, took programs to heights they haven't been to a while or forever. Um, so it's, you know, I would not be surprised if, you know, we see both of those programs kind of teeter off to a borderline average or anything like that. But um, yeah, it's going to be, but college football in general is just going to be interesting next year with you. I was going to say, especially in a year yeah. in the Big Ten where we're going to have new conference alignment, <laughs> new playoff changes. I mean, everything is just going to be different next year. Um, and it's all going to happen at once. And it's, I mean, it, I'm excited for it. It's going to be exciting. Uh, but yeah, I think with that, uh, if we want to transfer to what Zach loves to call the orange ball now. <laughs> orange ball. <laughs> Which is what we're watching. We're we're all well. We're all at least keeping up with our Orange Bowl games right now. Yep. So. Yes. Yep. And uh, you know, not sad bowl bowl noises tonight since they uh, <laughs> the Charlotte Hornets in the season series. Uh, they won tonight, one seventeen to one ten. Went four and zero against the Hornets this year. Which you know, if you look at the Hornets, you probably should. Hey, Eight. not all teams can say that. <laughs> <laughs> not looking at a certain number one Western <laughs> Conference team right now or anything. Hey, they, they've maintained the number one, though. I mean, they got it yes. back. So We're back, yes. So that yes. that's forgiven. But the Bulls, you know, lost the last night to the Raptors. So, you know, you give us some, give some take. But, yeah, that's with the Bulls update outside of, you know, just the potential trade deadline rumors, whatever. It's really nothing to speculate over about what I think the Bulls... I mean, I have thoughts of what the Bulls should do, but that's mostly because I'm biased about what Alex needs to do <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> but Hey, at least at least you've been honest about it the whole time, though. Yeah, and I'll jump ship whenever he goes to a new team. <laughs> I'm not afraid to say that. <laughs> but we'll pass it to Nate there. Uh, I know he has better Wolves updates and some uh, fights to pick with some refs. <laughs> Yeah, so it was uh, it it had been a rough week. So we had dropped uh, the game to Charlotte, and then we dropped another game to the Spurs. I think lost. I think it was just a one point loss to the Spurs in San Antonio, and things were uh, <laughs> the wheels were starting to fall off. We were getting a little worried. Uh, there was some uh, Mike Conley hadn't played. Some speculation, you know, that just this team might not be able to finish games, and they're going back to their old ways from last year, but they. Had a, a massive game that was uh, televised on NBA League Pass only because the NBA doesn't know how to market their product. And uh, they had a big game against the number one at the time, Oklahoma City Thunder. So it was number one versus number two in the West. Um, and despite the NBA refs' best efforts to uh, hand the Timberwolves a loss in Oklahoma City, they still came out on top uh, over the Thunder. A lot of blatant calls or no calls, I guess. Uh, a lot of a lot of slapping, a lot of grabbing that uh, was allowed for the Thunder. That uh, was called very heavily against uh, the Timberwolves on the other side of the court. And uh, Anthony Edwards came out after the game and said he did not care <laughs> if he was going to get fined. And he criticized the refs and said that uh, he wasn't sure how they won the game with uh, how the refing was called and. The, the league doubled down on it and uh the clear clear dunk that anthony edwards had where shea gilders alexander had a nice uh, hand on his forearm 
the league doubled down and said that that was marginal contact and wouldn't be ruled a foul in their two-minute report, which is uh, ludicrous. And so uh, for the marginal contact and for the uh, blatant outing of the refs after the game, Anthony Edwards got fined $40,000. So... But Wolves are still back. We're back in first place in the West. We're leading the Mavericks right now, 83-70 going into the fourth quarter. Things are looking good. Um, I think if we – I believe the deadline is like February 4th, so if the Timberwolves are still in first place on or after February 4th, then Chris Finch, the head coach, will be the coach of the All-Star game. So that would be a, a pretty big accolade. So we're we're hoping we can kind of finish the next couple games strong here. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep on checking, man. <laughs> so this is more of just like a referee point, but I was thinking of this while you were talking about that. Uh, and this just humor me for a second. So do you guys have like yearly reviews, uh, for like your job? Yes. So really like in those yearly reviews, one of the questions <laughs> or one of the, well, one of the sections paid for that <laughs> quarterly. Dang, you're getting, you're getting looked no, at. My, it it might be like twice a year. I can't remember if it's quarterly. <laughs> More than me. I have one. I've only worked for three years. I just don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what <I'm doing. laughs> anyway, but like, there's gotta be a section there. It's like, Hey, like, you know, you, you know, you probably do good work, but like, there's always something that you can work on to be better at. Sure. Mm-hmm. No, not a question. And, you know, we're all we, we take that criticism. We're like, oh, OK, yeah, we need to work on that. I'm pretty sure that <laughs> being a referee is the one job you can have anywhere. And it's like any criticism is like, no, 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 no. Don't worry. We, we like somebody somebody somewhere says, don't worry. We, we got this covered. You don't need to worry about it. You're doing fine. Yep. Like tapping you on the head like you, you're such a good ref. Like, <laughs> come on now. Come on, guys. Well, do you, you think they could use like the forty thousand dollars that they're going to make Anthony Edwards pay to like I don't know improve their refing? But... That's so that that's so that the refs can keep betting on the games. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I'm not but... a conspiracy theorist, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, NBA refing has been uh, uh, rough to say the best this year, um, and it's a tough job. I like. No, they're they're human. They're not going to get it perfect. But like, mm-hmm. uh, no, <laughs> they absolutely are required to get it perfect. Nate, this is a bunch of crap. <laughs> that is their job. If they're at least going to go to the lengths of having a two minute review after every game to like look over the fouls and then just say, "Well, you you talked bad about us. We're not going to say that was a foul." Yeah. So what uh, for for the uninitiated, which is high me, I'm the problem. It's me. What? <laughs> What is the two-minute review? I didn't know anything about that. Yeah, so they, like, usually the day after um, the NBA, I don't know who exactly goes over, but some league officials look over the last two minutes of every game, or at least for close games, where there's some controversial calls or no calls, and they do a report that says, oh, if there was a clear missed call here, like, it should have been this. And so they, they try to at least have some transparency and say, hey, they missed it in the moment, but Oh, uh, this is what it should have been. So it's, it doesn't like, I, as far as I know, it doesn't reverse any games or you can, I think you can appeal if it's bad enough to have something overturned. I don't think anyone's ever done that, but um, cause I know I want to say Portland had a opportunity to last week against someone. I can't remember exactly, but hmm. there, there's their, 
way to have, like I said, just some transparency and say, hey, we goofed, but mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, well, we're owning up to it at least. Well, and I know, I know this is more, I think that was the AAF or whatever it was that was back a few years. And then the UX, there, the XFL took it over. I'm sure the UFL does it too, but like mm-hmm. they've started doing that, that microphone when they're d- reviewing the play. And then they're, they're basically just explaining what they're seeing to the booth. Mm-hmm. But I love that. I'm like, that's that's what you need. That's what you need is that transparency, I think, in terms of refereeing, because not only do you not only do you get the transparency for people that understand the game and are watching it intently, but for people that are just coming into the game, it's like, oh, you know, you still might not understand what the play's called or what exactly happened or why it's called that way, but at least like you're getting a ref saying, Oh, I see this contact, or, you know, the marginal contact thing. Yeah, yeah like I think they should do that. I think they should keep having these mm-hmm. uh, like explanations during refereeing. This turn, this whole segment turned into just us talking about refs. But, <laughs> but either way, it's like I think. But I, I think that that should be something that should be introduced in sports where it can be. Now, granted, for like ones where they challenge, in like the NFL, I'd be like, mm, maybe that one doesn't get it just because leave you in suspense. I guess I don't know, but mm-hmm. I don't know, but. Uh, I mean, since I'm talking all, uh, I will say that the Suns are currently playing. They're tied with it. Well, as of ESPN app right now, they're tied with this, uh, the Nets 67 all in the third quarter. So a lot of game left, but I don't know. The Suns have been an interesting On case. Fire. They've <laughs> kind of, kind of, they've been, they've definitely gone. They've started going up a lot better, but um, they've, they've dropped a couple games that they definitely shouldn't have, but it's kind of one of those cases, just like we were talking about Nebraska basketball last week, where sometimes the game is just that way. And like, you know, you, you can go out and play a good game and run the game plan as your coach said, and everything goes well 80% of the time, which is usually enough to win the game. And that team just somehow is hitting everything they, they throw up. That's, that's basketball. Um, and sometimes that happens, but I don't know. A lot of game left, so we'll see if the Suns uh, make me happy or if they disappoint me. But <laughs> outside of that, uh, Andy, I'll let you kind of fill in what you got. Uh, I mean, other than, you know, I think big, I guess, in terms of trade deadline, um, you know, like we said last week, I think the biggest one so far was just uh, Terry Rozier to the Heat and then Kyle Lowry mm-hmm. to the Hornets and. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody else tries to poach Lowry from the Hornets and see if the Hornets can get something else out of that deal. Um, but a lot of a lot of it at this point is just seeing if there's going to be any big names or if there's going to be any teams that are contending or trying to make a push for the playoffs. And, you know, are they going to bulk up and try to trade for some big names just to get some help to get, you know, a solid playoff team going in or try to help them get into the playoffs? Um, I know that at least just from the bulls. That's just a lot of speculation with the bulls right now is, um, you know, is Zach Levine going to be traded? Is Alex going to be traded Is a team that's going to want to pony up uh, a draft pick and, you know, some money and another vet to get Alex just for his defensive presence on a playoff contending team. I mean, it's just all swirling right now. And the bulls very well may just do nothing at the same time. It's kind of what they did last year and, you know, look where I got them. But wouldn't be would not absolutely be shocked if the Bulls did absolutely nothing either. But um, at least that's just you know from my own personal standpoint of the team that I follow. But um, you know, outside of that, I just I think it's just going to come down to like what teams are in the hunt for the playoffs or want to solidify their playoff 
uh, presence going forward? Are they going to try to make a trade here within the next week or so and just solidify their team going forward? But mm. yeah, with that, unless we have anything else, we can kind of switch it over to the collegiate form of orange ball. Um, <laughs> I just thought this was interesting in the NBA talking trade deadlines. Right. I didn't realize this was a thing until I just read it. Uh, apparently there was speculation that Golden State was going to potentially move on from uh, Draymond and Clay no. Thompson. Draymond and I was like, what? in Golden State. Huh? Draymond has to die a warrior. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but like, I, the, the one that threw me for the loop was Clay Thompson. And that, like, he's on his yeah. last year. But then, like, as of today, they were like, no, that's not going to happen. But more interesting is that uh, the Warriors could look into trading Chris Paul, who just went to them this year. Mm-hmm. And, Nobody or, wants Chris Paul anymore. Or, well, it turns out he's old. And yeah. it could be either <laughs> him <laughs> him or Andrew Wiggins. And it's like, yeah. oh, okay. Wiggins, Wiggins had a good year. One good year. And that was it. Yep. Yeah, I... Uh... As they would know, don't miss Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Uh, some nostalgia, hey, not, hey, not that he much. Tries. So. He tries. He tries. He does. <laughs> I think. I hope. But yeah, as Andy said, uh, moving on to college orange ball. <laughs> a lot of upsets this past week. Um, as Nate so proudly Parody texted is us. alive and well <laughs> in the college basketball realm, baby. And I as love it. Uh, Nate wanted to kick himself off the podcast for this week because. <laughs> I think we all had a chance to say that same thing, Andy. Maybe not you so much last week. Him and I definitely had something to say about that. Nate uh, Nate went all in on North Carolina being scary good for basketball, and then they lost to nine and thirteen Georgia Tech. I will. I'll eat that one. Uh, My bad on me. (laughs) I think I I also praised Nebraska ball too, and that didn't turn out too well. (laughs) I won. We'll all eat. I know Iowa State pulled one out against Kansas this past Saturday, I believe it was. Yep. Um, and then Tennessee got upset this past week as well. So, like Zach said, parity is well and alive in college basketball this year. Outside this... of, I think, UConn being the, the unanimous mm-hmm. number one. Although, was, at the I... moment, they're only up 37-36 against Providence. So. <laughs> I thought you were about to say they're <laughs> only up 37 points. And I was like, well, that might be a good dis- indicator. And that Providence-Georgetown uh, game on Saturday was mm-hmm. uh, a stick of dynamite lit into a very gasoline field uh, arena. Uh, if you do not know anything about that, uh, Ed Cooley had been the longtime Providence coach uh, for God knows how long. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of reports, you know, receipts that came out saying like, yeah, I'm going to stay at Providence forever, so on and so forth. Left last year amid some personal scandal stuff too. Um, went to go, stayed in the Big East, is now coach of Georgetown. And, you know, Georgetown went to Providence last week. And as you can imagine, uh, walking into your uh, arena that you had been the coach for so long was met with uh, not some... Hostile. <laughs> yeah, little little hostile, not some uh, great fan interaction, if you want yep. to call it that. A lot of uh, F Ed Cooley chants came through the old TV that was uh, <laughs> not dumped on Fox. So congrats, Fox. Good job giving us what we want. <laughs> um, but yeah, Providence pulled that one out. Uh, but, you know, I mean, the Big East is kind of like the Big Ten. I mean, you get into conference play, and you can say this really with any conference, is, you know, you just kind of eat your, you eat your power teams alive within conference mm-hmm. play. Um, you know, it happens, you know, it's like, yeah, the ACC is doing it. Uh, Big Big 12 certainly doing it. Big Ten's doing it. 
uh, yeah, Big East is doing it. I mean, it's just it's just what college basketball is, um, and especially with you know the more games you play in college basketball, and that's yep. like <clears throat> football. I mean, that's all going to change next year. You know, in the Big Ten, set they're holding steady. I think at twenty conference games with the addition of eighteen total teams now, or is it twenty? Either way, I don't know how many teams. Yeah, I don't know how many teams we have anymore. <laughs> um, all of the teams. Essentially, you could play 17 conference games. You can play all 17 opponents and have like three repeats if you wanted mm-hmm. to do a conference schedule like that. I imagine they won't do that, but that's the sense of what you're looking at. Give um, it time. Give it time. Yeah. And, and news on that, the Big Ten tournament next year is going to be leaving out. It's Going up to 15 teams, but mm-hmm. by doing that, it's still going to be leaving out the three worst teams. So, rightfully or so, I assume the three worst teams. Yeah, <laughs> right, I mean, rightfully so. But it's going to be the, it's going to be the bottom two in Nebraska. Oh, <laughs> Nebraska just will never like they just no. Like, it's, sorry, guys. Like we might be number one, but it's not going to happen this year. Number sorry. one in our hearts. That's right. Oh. <laughs> um, Except but yeah, I mean, and then what happened tonight was uh, Northwestern and Purdue played, went to overtime, and you can go look on Twitter. I, you know, after I tell you this clip or this stat, you're gonna figure out why uh, Northwestern's coach was ejected at the buzzer of the game that ended in overtime, and he has absolutely every single right to be upset. Uh, about how this game was officiated tonight between Northwestern. Huh? And weird. We're talking about officiating again. Right. Weird. <laughs> weird. <laughs> if I told you, yeah, the game went to overtime. Purdue won one hundred five to ninety six. You know, high scoring game. You thought you would think that there would be a lot of you know chances at both ends for both teams to do really well, right? Um, <laughs> foul differential: thirty one fouls called against Northwestern, only fifteen per, for Purdue little sus right there right you know uh having double as many fouls called against you on the road and not on the home team you know home cooking refs you know whatever uh that led to a total of 46 free throw attempts for purdue and only a mere eight free throw attempts for northwestern it's insane that is a nice 38 shot differential between free throws and you're wondering how did that game even go to overtime with Purdue shooting 46 shots and still went to overtime, right? Well, Purdue only made 29 of their 46 attempts. That's bonkers, <laughs> man. So, <laughs> meanwhile, Purdue, Northwestern went six for eight, so they did really well at the line. Purdue you know, did not do well at the line. You know damn I well. never went to overtime. <laughs> you know damn well Purdue is shooting free throws for an hour straight yeah. Yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> They all they're gonna be doing. They took eleven more. Yeah, they took eleven less free throw attempts than they did total shots the entire game. They shot the ball fifty-seven total times (laughs) from the floor, and that doesn't even count free throws. They had forty-six total shots from the free throw line. (laughs) That is nuts. It an insane stat. I had to look on Twitter. I'm sure somebody's found out the last time that's ever happened because that not a very common differential margin <laughs> in that area for that to happen that often absolutely uh, bonkers big 10 eats itself alive Purdue is still yeah. good but yeah i think we'll transfer to the sad sad team <laughs> that we all thought <laughs> this is the up and up 
and and they absolutely <laughs> looked like I think I wrote that on the notes. The they are they are a JV team and or worse on the road in the Big Ten, <laughs> and that is saying a lot considering that they are undefeated at home in a powerhouse at home, and then they go on the road and like we don't really want to play basketball anymore. It's just wild to me how we have two different teams. Oh yeah, and I know we've talked about it since I say we since we started. It's been two episodes, but still, like we we've all talked about it just outside of the podcast. But it's so crazy just how road how much tougher road games are. And I I know that's always a thing in sports. Road games are always tougher because you're playing on their turf. I get that, but like this yeah. year, college basketball in general is just different. It's like it's like if you come out of a road game with a win. Mm-hmm. That that right there is like twice the victory if you got it at home. In my head, just crazy. I f- I saw a stat today uh, that you know, and this obviously applies to Nebraska because they're like zero and five, zero and whatever they are on the road. Uh, Big Ten teams on the road this year in conference play are like twenty and forty six or something like that. So. You know, it's not just Nebraska that struggles to win on the road. It's like every Big Ten team struggles to win on the road. You know, between what sixteen, no fourteen, what however many teams we have now. Um, you know, you take that's, yeah. You just think about the conference at whole, and out of all those teams, there's only twenty total wins between those many teams just on the conference uh, on the road in conference play. So, yeah, it's not just Nebraska. It's every Every team on the road is just struggling to play. And you no, know, Nebraska proved that, you know, I thought things were going to be different. They took a 12 to 2 lead into the first media timeout. And you're like, this is, you know, they're finally, they figured it out on the road. They're going to do it. They're just going to keep playing like that. And then they have one of those classic 10 minute scoring droughts. And then I think at halftime, Maryland was like, they went on a 39 to 15 like advantage after that point. <laughs> um, and I know I texted a lot of you guys the stats is like, you know, Maryland was the worst, you know, three or like three point percentage team in conference play this season. And they had like eclipsed that by halftime. Um, so, again, there's one of those situations where like a team comes out against Nebraska and just does the most bizarre stats that they haven't done all season and just eclipse every one of those by halftime or by the end of the game. But um, I mean, I you can't even chalk it up to, you know, Maryland shooting really good on at home or anything. I think it comes down to just how Nebraska plays defense on the road. Um, you know, going scoreless on offense is one thing, but, you know, letting Maryland, you know, force, I don't even know how many turnovers they had. 18, I think is what oh, they finished 18, with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you turn the ball over 18 times on the road. I mean, you are going to not do well in the first place. Um, and, it, and it just proved that, you know, Maryland just, they turned it over and they scored off the turnovers. So it's one thing to turn it over. It's another thing to let up points off the turnovers and those overtime eventually stack up. And it's same. I mean, these, all these road losses have all the same similar feels where like you get out rebounded on the offensive board. You turn the ball over so many times, you just don't play defense well enough. And, you know, Fred's got to look at that and something has to change when they, travel on the road their game plan their prep or whatever because these are the same common factors that keep coming up in their losses is they just get out rebounded they don't play defense well they turn the ball over they just they look so much sloppier than they did against when they play at home i mean you look at the ohio state game versus the maryland game 
you only turned the ball over six times against Ohio State. You know, they pretty much secured that second half win. There was no stress about it. And then, you know, every time they turn the ball over and get to Maryland, I mean, they would come down and score. It's just, you know, I think, you know, that's a, another piece of, you know, missing Jawan Gary is he's just another physical presence that's not ranked mass for you. And, um, you know, I think it's, you know, Nebraska's definitely going to need it these next three games is if Jawan's healthy enough to play. I mean, you got to try to play him because, you know, you can't keep doing what they're doing. And, you know, they have. Nebraska, or they have number six Wisconsin tomorrow night uh, at home, thankfully. So that kind of gives Nebraska a slight Hopefully advantage. Hopefully it makes a difference. Yeah. Counting yeah. the W right here. Right here. <laughs> yeah, it makes a slight difference. But, you know, after that, you go on the road to play a, a ranked Illinois team and Northwestern, who just, again, took the number two team to overtime again after they already beat Purdue earlier this year. Um, so, I mean, these are quad one games that are not going to be easy for Nebraska, especially two are on the road. Um, you know, and this is, yeah, after that, the schedule does lighten up a little bit, but that's, you know, these are your resume builder games right now. Cause after that, you there's quad two and quad three games, um, which do help to win, but you know, the tournament selection committee is not going to look at those wins. They're going to look at how'd you do in quad one and quad two, how'd you do on the road. I and, feel like we need to go two, <laughs> two or three, two out of three in the, in these next yeah, games. To I mean, it's, well, the, the thing is we've shown that we don't, haven't showed up in those real games against quad two, quad three teams. Right. And that's and the that, that's you're going to teams. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's something has to change in the fact of what you do at home versus what you do in the road. Cause like Zach mm-hmm. said, it's like, these are absolutely two different teams that we're watching that are the same team, but two different versions of them. And it's, it's baffling to see just how long they can go without scoring the ball when mm-hmm. they can put up 80 plus against Purdue and Ohio state and these other teams. And then they go on the road. It's like, we could barely get the 50 points. Um, you know, it's almost that like game, the, I was like, it's almost like the game plans are different. Yeah, I know they're man. not, I, I can't imagine that. I mean, they, they are different because it's different teams, but like, right. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like for home games, it's like, okay, we're going to do this mm-hmm. and everything that works really well for Nebraska. They do it there. And then for road games they are like everything we just did here, throw that out. It's like, and weird. Mm-hmm. It they looked like a team that I've never broken the press. I mean, Maryland pressed the entire game, and that's probably good on their scouting. Is like they knew Nebraska can't handle a lot of pressure, and we when that happens, we turn the ball over a lot, which did happen. But you know, at some at some point, Fred's got to be like, all right, if they're going to keep breaking the press like fast, like pressing, like this is how we're going to keep breaking the press each time, and it just never really happened. I mean, they had a couple, they had at least one 10 second violation. And, um couple passes that you know you get trapped at half court but picking up the ball I'm like those are just at least for me those were like fundamentals uh basketball iq back in grade school of what you're taught it's like don't pick up your dribble when you cross half court on a fast break or try to break the press or anything because then you get trapped and then you can turn the ball over or anything like that so um it just seems like they yeah they go on the road and they you know the simple fundamentals just kind of go out the door which is super bizarre because you know this not an easy stretch and i know fred during his press conference today you know pissed off fred is probably one of my favorite things because he's i mean he is a very like calm man in terms mm-hmm. of like he'll get in the ref's faces a lot of times but like he's not like fran mccaffrey or any of those coaches that are like beat red from yelling at the refs the entire game i mean he's just he'll be calmly he'll just have the, kind of the same emotion he's kind of like tom Izzo on the fact that you know tom Izzo will get mad but like 
you can kind of tell when he's stressed and not stressed, but he's not like, you know, beat red after yelling or anything. But um, his press conference today is like, I really pushed these kids hard. Like they have three physical practices. They were, you know, I had like a sheet for load management of how to do this. And I just threw that sheet in the trash. That's what it was. I was like, I saw somewhere that there was a comment that was made about Mm -hmm. that. And I couldn't remember what it was. And I didn't want to bring it up. I forgot. And he's like, he's like, we're going to be physical in practice and I'm not going to give them a break. Like any load management, like, you know, it's almost like, you know, we don't deserve that right now based on how we're playing because we haven't been playing physical enough basketball, which is what we know the team can do because when they play defense, they play it really well and lock down opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, they just haven't shown that the, the losses, you they really show up, but they just haven't been that same team. So that's my Nebraska ball spiel. Um, <laughs> you know, again, the only thing about the Wisconsin game is the tick at home, and that's – about the only advantage I can give to them right now. Cause you know, yep. it's another top 10 team coming into Lincoln and it's happened before it happened last month, but, or is it this month? It was this month. God, it was already this month. Wasn't it? <laughs> oh my. 22 days ago. Yeah. I didn't, uh, I didn't look. <laughs> did what's like bracket bracketology have us at currently. There's, I it think has an 11 seed. Yeah. In the play in game. against Boise state last I saw. I think, yeah, I think, most brackets will have us kind of on one of the last teams in, but not mm-hmm. the very last team in right yeah. now. We're we're barely hanging on to the bubble, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, and next, about, next few games are going to determine yeah. a lot, I think. They're about 58, 59 in the net ranking somewhere in that area. So, mm-hmm. I mean, based on how many seats there are about the field of 65 to 68, I mean, it's, you know, you're sitting right at that edge where, you know, net rankings are one thing, but where you get seated is up to the committee. And, you know, they're certainly going to look at those losses like Gallo's losses. You don't play well at a, a home or not away from home, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love I love reading the Twitter comments of like if the entire March Madness was held at PBA in Nebraska, would be winning the Natty <laughs> <laughs> next just, year. Just because that's how they that's how well they do at home. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you you have three very tough quad one games coming up. Um, you know, going one and two of that stretch, I think, would be better than over oh, oh and three for sure. Uh, but yeah, I think you got to find up. You got to find a win in one of these next three, no matter who mm-hmm. it's against. Because um, it's quad one wins are only going to help you so much, uh, yeah. no matter who they're against. If it's a quad one win, it's a quad one win. Sure. Yeah, and those those road losses are just, I don't know baffling because it's <laughs> your team it's a little scary team. because it <laughs> mm-hmm. they they seem like they can play together as a team they play with passion fire when they're at home but then yeah they just come out flat on the road and it yeah it'll it'll be interesting to see see what happens with the rest of the season they there is a lot of season left i mean there's month plus but Right now is where you want to be hitting your stride, not yeah. tripping over yourself. And and I hope they have a February like they did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, last year was a lot to like get to 500 and talks of an NIT. But um, I mean, if you can find that magic and go on that run again, like they did at the end of last season, I mean, you're for sure talking about a bit for the tournament. But, you know, as it right now, especially with the upcoming schedule, it's just it's a little bleak. And I mean, I don't blame anybody or us for thinking that just because it's We've seen this team have its highs and its lows, and when it's low, it's very low at the same mm-hmm. time. Um, but yeah, that's 
again, my thoughts about it. <laughs> <laughs> Nebraska basketball. The the gift giveth and the gift taketh away. Mm-hmm. Yep. We'll we'll keep watching and until <laughs> the wheels oh, fall yeah. off. And... I'm not gonna stop watching as much as I hate it. <laughs> Yeah, like you said, though, like, much, but well, but if they if they go on a run, I mean, it's going to mm-hmm. make it all that much more exciting. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and I mean the what... potential's there. They're when they when they play well and they're on, they're a good team. It's mm-hmm. just they need to, I don't know, need a kick in the butt. When they're on the road or something. They just need to. They just need to figure out. Yeah, they need to figure out how to do that on the road. And mm-hmm. but again, I think the and I know I've already touched on this, but and this kind of goes for everything. But it just seems like a bunch of teams are having issues on the road. And I mean, I know that's not really an excuse. Like no one's going to look at Nebraska and be like, well, you had a lot of issues on the road, but so did everybody else. So, but I mean like that is something that is, is to be considered because mm-hmm. in theory, Purdue should have come into PBA and probably just trounced over Nebraska and they didn't. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that says more to how Nebraska played. I'm sure it does. But on the other hand, mm-hmm. you know, it's just kind of proving that road games, big 10 or otherwise, are just not there. There are no such things as gimmies unless, you know, unless you're Creighton playing DePaul. So, (laughs) yeah. My only issue with the road games is that they're not even close. Yeah, that's, (laughs) that's the issue. There's a difference between like, well, they at least showed up and, you know, they lost. But yeah, they, they look like, they look like, well, yeah, we've all, we all said it though. Like they look like a completely different team on the Mm -hmm. road. Whereas at least in the case of Purdue going on the road to Nebraska and losing, they only lost, you know, it only came, it came down to the last minute basically mm-hmm. before Purdue was like, well, we're, we're done, you know? Yeah. yeah. And besides but, the Rutgers, I mean, that was all the other road losses have not been. Nebraska, Nebraska's done by like 10 minutes left in the second half. It's like, yeah, for sure. What, what is this? Yeah. They just, it's, it's just, yeah. Those scoring droughts are just, they amaze me every single time. It's like, how mm-hmm. can they just, Stop. I don't know if amaze is the word I would <laughs> Well, <laughs> it amazes me how bad it is. That's, that's what I mean. It's, it's like, how Fair do you, enough. how can you just stop scoring and then Fair not enough. score again? Mm-hmm. But that's, that's, uh, basketball. that's the, well, I guess I, I guess ball. I did say that, uh, you know, Creighton, it was DePaul, right? That they beat or was it? Yes, they did okay. beat DePaul. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they beat him pretty good. I, you, you kind of look at the records and you're like, yeah, that was, probably gonna happen but paul is not a good basketball team it wasn't it was kind of an exciting first half like DePaul was keeping with them for a while there and i was like oh like it was i mean it was i think creighton was winning by like five maybe i say half yeah halftime was a closer score but then they pulled you the you, you kind of look was. at the score at halftime I, I don't remember what it was exactly but i remember looking at the score at halftime being like oh like interesting maybe like maybe DePaul was that kind of team where Mm-hmm. They play well, but just nothing like comes to the last few minutes and just everything goes against them, which happens in sports. Uh, no, <laughs> the second half proved that Creighton Creighton went on a pretty good run, and then it was yes. just it was off for them. So, yay the other Nebraska team, I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Quick update on uh, college basketball, though: Florida just ousted Kentucky in overtime, ninety four ninety one. So, at Kentucky as well. Yeah, Skip take that, man. Take that calamari. <laughs> oh, delicious. A... <laughs> yes, I know his name is calamari. <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah, I guess as we wrap things up, only uh, mm-hmm. other, th- only other one major one we haven't really covered is MLB. Uh, 
I will. I don't know too much on the rest of the league, but the Twins traded Jorge Polanco uh, to the Mariners for uh, some pitchers. We got uh, Anthony Desclafani. We got Justin Topa and a couple of uh, prospects. I think one of them was somewhere in the top 75 of MLB rankings for whatever that's worth. So we got fairly decent haul for... Uh, um, Unfortunately, Polanco had been with the Twins for, I think, about 13 years. He's been, he, he signed with the Twins in 2010 when he was like 16. And so he's been with the Twins ever since. So that was kind of bittersweet to so. see him go. But um, we've got the depth at second base. So there's. I, I, move on from, I don't, but, I don't know what I was doing at 16, but it was not playing for a professional <laughs> baseball team. Holy cow. That's impressive. Yep. Yep, so that was that was the main news. Twins got a decent haul, got some prospects, and shored up our pitching a little bit. Nothing. I mean, I don't think it'll make a huge splash, but we got some return for decent player. He's going to be missed, but is the biz. So um, other than yeah, that, I, don't I have know nothing if... for the Red Sox. They, yeah. <laughs> they keep letting players sign with other teams, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is at this point, it's done. All right. Well. This week we're introducing a new segment, <laughs> and we're uh, we're gonna be really unique with it and call it our plays of the week. <laughs> um, and we're gonna I I just kind of I put them I didn't really put them in any order, but uh, we're gonna start with Nate because I think his is by far just the funniest <laughs> in what it is. Um, hey refs, we're coming from the top rope this week. <laughs> So, so this is the uh, fabled uh, two-minute report from the league. So they mentioned in the two-minute report, again, as I said, uh, there was marginal contact on, uh, you know, the dunk that Anthony Edwards had, marginal contact from Gildas Alexander on Anthony Edwards. If you click on that picture to the right, you'll see uh, Gildas Alexander. Hopefully it comes up, yeah. Just a little bit of uh, apparently marginal contact there, um, NBA <laughs> Deems yeah, that not a foul. Um, so I- interesting stance um, by the NBA there, and rather uh, fining Edwards forty thousand for uh, saying that that should have been a foul. So uh, hey. that that is my play of the week. The Timberwolves still won despite uh, officiating at this level. So I see. I don't know where you see the foul. It's clearly <laughs> he's trying to help him dunk the ball. Duh. Uh, that's why it wasn't hey, a cult foul. The, okay. The, the basket's over here, bud. <laughs> yeah. Like, here, let me guide you in to the basket. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> All right. Um, moving on. Uh, mine was Lamar's fantastic, uh, his wonderful uh, bounce off the helmet, which is the second one that happened. Well, it's technically the first. But um, the second, the one of two that happened in the NFL uh, games this weekend, he throws it to, I can't remember who that was supposed to go to, bounces off the helmet. Lamar catches it and runs for, I think it was like a 17 yard first down. Mm-hmm. Bonkers. Like that, this is where I know, like, as I was watching it, I was like, okay, you know, that I was in my head, I was like, this is where the spark is going to hit it and they're going to. Like this is that's going to be the play that gives them that mm-hmm. momentum to go and score and you know take over the game. Um, that was wrong, but <laughs> you know a guy can hope. 
Um, really good play, I do, though. I do believe uh, one Heinrich Harburg did also complete a pass to himself <laughs> this season as well. So it not the only start that a quarterback to do it. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out there and say probably not a great strategy <laughs> just because it seems very unlikely that it's going to work a lot of the time. But that hey, should have told what? us about how the rest of the game was going to go. That's <laughs> But you know what? I, if if they if uh, coaches can make it to where that becomes a legitimate strategy, I'm all for it. You know, let's let's take the game of football even more wacky and exciting. I love it. And then Andy's play of the week. You know, despite the Bulls losing this game, I do love a good uh, posterized dunk, and it's a uh, Demar Derozan over Bruce Brown. And you know, yeah, they still lost, but. Uh, Posterizing dunks are really cool. You can never, you can never go wrong with the good old. I like because, to call them. I like to call them the Vince Carters. But man, yes, as you the can guy, never go wrong with that. As, you know, I know, and I know they shake it off. But like, if you get posterized, I just don't feel like, like, how do you come back from that as a player? It's like <laughs> that guy just like straight up just went over me and just made me look like a little little boy. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was our plays of the week and with that i think we're uh wrapping up for the week i think that's about we've covered <laughs> covered the full dock of sports nhl is on their all-star break so we did not cover them that's the reason yeah why that's why we didn't talk it. about 100 percent why we didn't cover it <laughs> next week though and not, not well, we're gonna try we're, i mean i know i know we're gonna in. try <laughs> but we'll see how that goes but yeah, yeah. Uh, like we had mentioned, uh, Nebraska plays Wisconsin tomorrow night at PBA, I think 7.30 on BTN. And then probably yeah, before we get back on, they'll play Illinois on Sunday at 5.30. I believe I don't know the TV for that one. But uh, two, ba- two big basketball games coming up before we get to talk again. So tune into those if you want to follow along and have your hearts broken. Um <laughs> Like good old sports fans that we are, or euphoric joy, depending on which way they go. But I'm sure this week is going to happen. Around. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the week. This yep. is it. This is yeah, it, I think that's uh, going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all we've got for this week. Thank you all for uh, tuning in. If you have uh, you know any any clips, any sports oddities you want us to talk about, uh, look into. Uh, for the next week, feel free to reach out to us uh, on our socials at the Sports Ball Podcast. And uh, yeah, again, just thank you all for listening. And uh, I suppose thank you for tuning in to the Sports Ball Podcast, your source for sports. And uh, we'll see you next week.